Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. Well, this is going to be an amazing day for each of us. You know why? Because Jesus has already prayed for us. I love this verse and I'm talking about knowing God the way he wants to be known. And in John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus prays for us. He says, my prayer He was talking to the father. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I like what the Berean Bible says. I'm not asking on behalf of them alone, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one as you, father, are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And then he says in verse 22, I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Wow. To be one with him, to be that close to him, that intimacy that Jesus has with the father, we get to have with the father as well. And so to know him the way he wants to be known, I want to talk to you about the miracles of God's goodness, to know his goodness. First, we started by saying to know him the way he wants to be known is to know his passion. That's his love. That's his passion is the proof of his acceptance, his approval, his affection for us, his affection for you. His passion is what he suffered and endured, how he bore our sins and our sickness and our shame, because no one suffers for another willfully without love. That's passion. The reason Jesus suffered for us is because he loves us so. And that's what we call his passion. So to know him the way he wants to be known is number one, know his passion. Number two, to know him as he wants to be known is to know his patience. You know, the Bible says in second Peter, chapter three, verse nine, beloved, do not let this one thing escape your notice with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. He said, and the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some count slowness, because it might look slow to us and feel slow to us, but he is not slow to keep his promise, but is patient with you and patient towards you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance and to know God the way he wants to be known is to know his promises, the promises of his goodness. If you go back to that verse in verse nine, he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He's not slow in keeping his promise. God's going to keep his promise. I want you to say that out loud. Say God is going to keep his promise to me. Come on, say that God is going to keep his promise to me. In first Kings, chapter eight, verse 56. I love that verse where he says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people just as he promised, just as he promised. And then he goes on to say, not one word has failed of all the good promises that he gave. Somebody's got to say amen to that. All the good. He said not one promise has failed. Not one word has failed of all the good, all the good promises that he gave. So last week I shared with you the goodness of God and how the goodness of God is the answer to everything happening in our lives. I shared five miracles of God's goodness. Remember them? You probably don't. But I'm going to repeat them. (laughs) Ready? Here they are. And then I'll share the next few after that. Number one, the goodness of God explains everything. Number one, the goodness of God. This is a miracle. The goodness of God explains everything. He said for you, uh, let me just say it this way in this verse. 
in Psalm five, verse four, he says, for you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells within you. And Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where Joseph said to his brothers, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. You see, the goodness of God explains everything. When something doesn't make sense, the goodness of God turns it around and somehow makes sense out of it and makes something good come out of it. So the goodness of God explains everything. Number one, number two, the goodness of God surrounds everything. God's goodness is present every day of your life. God's goodness is present in every situation, every direction you go in. Goodness of God follows you all the days of your life. So number one, the goodness of God explains everything. Number two, the goodness of God surrounds everything. Number three, the goodness of God frees us from everything, especially toxic emotions. The goodness of God frees us from every negative emotion and toxicity. Psalm 27, verse 13, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have despaired. My emotions would have fallen apart unless I believed I would see the goodness. I want somebody to say that I'm going to see God's goodness today. I'm going to see God's goodness today. I'm going to see God's goodness today. Declare it out of your mouth. I'm going to see God's goodness today. Woo! Because you are going to see God's goodness. But if and God's goodness is going to follow you. So you need to look around until you see it because it's there somewhere. You just haven't seen it yet, but it's going to show up. Expect it and look for the good. Look for the goodness. All right. So number one, the goodness of God explains everything. Number two, the goodness of God surrounds everything. Number three, the goodness of God frees you from everything, especially toxic emotions. Number four, the goodness of God satisfies everything. Psalm 145, verse 16 says you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. You got some desires and dreams in your heart. God wants to satisfy them. Amen. And number five, the goodness of God changes everything. Romans chapter two, verse four in the message Bible, it says God is kind, but he's not soft in kindness. He takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into radical life change. You see, it's his goodness and his kindness that leads us into radical life change. His goodness changes everything. His goodness changes everything. So let me pick up from there and talk about the sixth miracle of God's goodness. And it's I'm going to take you to Romans 8:28. You know that verse. We cannot overlook this verse because the goodness of God shapes everything. The goodness of God shapes everything. Boy, something in our lives, some things in our lives, they're the wrong shape. Some things in our lives are out of control, but God will take the things and shape them. He'll take what the enemy sends to defeat us. He'll bend it to complete us. The goodness of God shapes everything. Romans 8:28 says for for, you know, we know that God causes all things to work together for our good. I like how one translation says all things work together for good, everything. And that includes every person works together for the best as it's written in the strongest translation. And it's the most accurate word. It works together for the best. Everything. God makes everything work together for the best for those who love God. Everything that we meet in life, everything without exception works together for our best simply because we love him 
because he first loved us and we are called according to his purpose. You know, when you think about how the goodness of God shapes everything, I want you to think about it. Here's another word for it, that God's goodness provides a co-working for good so that it is well. God is going to cause things to become well for your soul. It is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul? If it's not yet, God is going to cause it to become well for you. All we simply have to do is Romans 8:28. We've talked about this either earlier this year or last year. We're going to Romans 8:28. Everything that happens in our lives, we're going to throw Romans 8:28 at it. In other words, no matter what disaster happens, no matter what tragedy happens, no matter what negative thing happens, we're going to throw Romans 8:28 at it and we're going to believe that God is going to take that thing and use it somehow turn it into something good for who? For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, the devil will shame you and he'll tell you you don't love God enough. That that verse can't work for you because you don't love God enough. That's a lie from the devil. You know that, right? Because loving God simply means believing the love he has for you. The best thing you can do to love God is receive his love freely. When people say to me, how can I love God more? simply receive his love freely. When you are trying to earn God's love, you're not loving God. But when you receive God's love freely, now you're loving God. You're loving him because you are freely receiving what he so deeply wants you to experience and wants you to have for free. So don't let the devil shame you. Don't let the devil disqualify you for Romans 8:28 by telling you, well, you're not you don't really love God enough and you're not really called according to his purpose. Yes, you are. He called you. You might not answer yet, but he called you. He calls you blessed. He calls you happy. He calls you a, a son or daughter of God. He calls you the head and not the tail. Just accept what he calls you, receive what he calls you, believe what he calls you. And you simply love him by letting him love you. Best thing you can do in your life is not love God more. Best thing you can do in your life is receive his love more freely. And then that is the greatest demonstration of loving him back is receiving him and receiving his love freely. And you know what will happen? The goodness of God will shape everything in your life. It's going to shape it in the right direction. It's going to put things in the right shape. It's going to put things in the right condition. It's a miracle of God's goodness. The next miracle of God's goodness is this. The goodness of God uses everything. He uses everything. He uses your mistakes. He uses what other people have done to you. He doesn't cause those things. He doesn't cause your mistakes. He doesn't cause other people's harm. He doesn't cause other people's bad intentions, but he changes it. He transforms it. He uses it. God will use anybody at any time to bring about his purpose in your life. God is using the things God's using your good days. God's using your bad days. God's using the things you've done right. God's using the things you've done wrong. And he is causing all those things to work together. It's similar to he shapes everything His goodness shapes everything, but it means even expanded beyond him shaping everything, he uses everything. Whatever the enemy has done to you, whatever 
somebody else has done to you. Do you know that God can use that for his glory and he can use that to minister and help other people get through what you've gone through and he'll use you through it. Expect God to use you, expect God to use your gifts, expect God to use your talents, expect God to use your treasure, expect God to use whatever you give him, he'll use it. Give him a moment, he'll use that moment. Give him an hour, he'll use that hour. Give him a day, he'll use that day. Give him your life, he'll use your life. He'll use whatever you give him. It's really powerful that the goodness of God uses everything. Man, Lord, I really failed. I really blew it there the other day. Can you possibly just take this and use this to help me grow? Use this to help me experience more of you. Invite God. In fact, right now, let's just invite God to use whatever is happening in your life right now. Just say, Heavenly Father, take my life, take my mistakes. Just say that out loud. Take my mistakes take my gifts, take my strengths, take my weaknesses and use them, Lord, use them for your glory and for my good. Use them for your glory and for my good. Wow. The goodness of God uses everything. One of my favorites comes up next. The goodness of God outlasts everything. Boy, I could talk about this for a long, long time. The goodness of God outlasts everything. When will his goodness stop? Never. How long will his goodness last forever? Jeremiah chapter 32 says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. I will never stop doing good to them. I will never stop doing good to them. Oh, somebody's got to hear this. I know God's trying to get across, get this across to you. He says, look, he says, I will never stop doing good to them. Boy, I love this word, this word. I will never stop. I will never stop after I after I'm 20. I'll never stop doing good to you after I'm 30. I'll never stop doing good to you after I'm 40. I'll never stop doing good to you after I'm 50. I'll never stop doing good to you. My good days, I'll never stop doing good to you. When I blow it, I'll never stop doing good to you. When I really screw up, I'll never stop doing good to you. I will never stop doing good to them. This is an active participation on God's part. He will do you good. He will do you good and he will never stop doing you good. Other people will do you harm. Other people will do you bad, but God will do you good. God will never stop doing you good. I will never stop ever. Never. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me or respect me so that they will never turn away from me. You want to know something? The only way that you can turn away from God and I don't and I'm not saying losing your salvation, I'm not talking about that. I'm simply saying just turning away from him and not being interested and not wanting to be close to him and not wanting to walk with him and not wanting to talk with him and not wanting to fellowship with him. The only way you could ever turn away from him is if you're not aware of how good he will do for you and he will never stop doing good for you. In other words, when he says I will never he makes the promise, I will never stop doing good to you. That promise causes me to never want to turn away from him. The only person that wants to turn away from God is the one that doesn't actually believe 
God is going to do them good. So I want you to get this in your head, get this in your heart, get this coming out of your mouth. God says, I will never stop doing good to you. I will never stop doing good to you. Even when you stop doing good, God will not stop doing good. Even when somebody else stops doing good, God will not stop doing good to you. And that makes me want to stay with him. That makes me want to never leave him. He already is never going to leave me. But this just inspires me to never want to leave him. Why would I want to leave someone who always wants to do me good and will never stop doing me good? You say that sounds like a selfish reason to serve God, a selfish reason to, you know, every reason that we have to to serve God is a selfish reason. I accepted Jesus because I selfishly do not want to go to hell. I accepted Jesus because I selfishly do not want to have to pay for my own sins with my life when Jesus paid for my sins with his life. Everything we do in one sense is selfish in the sense that the best thing, the reason we obey God, even our obedience to God is selfish because <laughs> obeying God is simply smarter. Obeying God has so many more benefits than disobeying God. So. You could say it's selfish to obey God because you want the benefits of obeying God. That's why God's not. God's not expecting you to always have the purest, perfect motive in what you do. He simply wants you to receive him and know him. He'll never stop doing good to you. This is his character. The goodness of God outlasts everything. He says in verse 40, what's more, I will make a covenant with them will last forever, a covenant to stick with them no matter what and work for their good. I'll fill their hearts with a deep respect for me so they'll never that they'll not even think of turning away from me. I haven't I'm not even I haven't even thought about turning away from God for years, decades, because he's too good to turn away from. Verse 41 says, oh, how I'll rejoice in them. God says, I'll rejoice in them. Oh, how delight in doing good things for them heart and soul. I'll plant them in this country and I'll keep them here. Another translation says I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. Wow. The goodness of God outlasts everything. The goodness of God outlasts the devil. The goodness of God outlasts people. The goodness of God outlasts the sickness that you're dealing with, the goodness of God outlasts the fear you're dealing with, the goodness of God outlasts the anxiety you feel right now, the goodness of God outlasts the stress you're going through, the goodness of God outlasts the mistakes you made, the goodness of God outlasts the bad harvests that you planted, the goodness of God outlasts your good days, it outlasts your bad days, it outlasts every weapon that is formed against you, the goodness of God outlasts everything. Number nine, the goodness of God provides us with everything. The goodness of God provides us with everything. You know, I think one of the best ways to describe the goodness of God is it's best described as the generosity of God, God's character, God's heart, God's attitude, God's way of living and God's way of doing it is marked by generosity. 
God's generosity is by far the greatest evidence of his love. His generosity is the proof of his love. Everybody knows John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Think about that. What does his generosity prove? It proves how much he loves you. God so loved. How did God love? He so loved. Did he have just feelings of love for you? No. Did he have just thoughts of love to you? No. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son for you. He so loved you that he gave. Notice his love is such good love. His goodness is marked so clearly by his generosity. His generosity is proof of his goodness and proof of his love. He doesn't he's not generous with us to try to get something from us. He's generous with with us because he's trying to get something to us. He's not trying to get something from us. He's trying to get something to us. Romans 832 settles that. I mean, we have we have so much evidence of God's generosity, but Romans 832 says he who did not withhold his own son, but freely gave him to us. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? He freely gives us all things. The proof of him giving us his son is the proof that if he gives you the best, he'll give you the rest. If he gives you the greatest gift of all, Jesus, he's not going to withhold from you your healing. He's not going to withhold from you your breakthrough. He's not going to withhold from you his second chance, third chance, seventh chance, hundredth chance. Who needs a few more? I do. (laughs) He's not going to stop giving. He's not going to withhold what you need. He's not going to withhold what you ask for. He's not going to withhold any good thing. He said, I will not withhold any good thing. For those that know they're the righteousness of God, I will not withhold any good thing for the righteous. You're the righteousness of God by being in Christ, by being born again. You are the righteousness of God. How generous is God? Romans 8:32 says he gives us all things. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. According to Jeremiah 29, 11, according to Matthew, chapter five, he gives us rain and sun for our crops to grow. According to Isaiah, chapter 40, he gives us strength. According to James, chapter four, verse six, he gives us grace. According to James, chapter one, verse five, he gives us wisdom. According to uh, Romans, chapter 12, verse three, he gives us faith. According to Acts chapter three, verse 21, he gives us blessing. According to Deuteronomy chapter 818, he gives us rest. Deuteronomy 1210, he gives us food. Deuteronomy 1210, he gives us provision. Psalm 136, verse 25, he gives us sleep. He gives us provision. In Psalm 127, verse 2, he gives sweet sleep to his beloved. Psalm chapter 18, verse 50, He gives us deliverance. He delivers us from our enemies. He delivers us from our addictions. He delivers us from our fears. He delivers us from the enemy's hands. In first Corinthians three, seven, he gives us increase in first Corinthians 15, 57. He gives us victory. 
You see, generosity expresses the simple wish that others would have what they need to make them fulfilled and satisfied. Generosity, so to speak, is the focal point of God's moral perfection. Generosity is the focal point of what God is, who he is, what his intentions are. The generosity of God. He provides us with everything. My God shall supply all your needs. You can ask him for anything at any time. You can go to the throne of his grace anytime. How can you go boldly? Why can you go because of the blood? Why the blood? Because of love, because he loves you. He sends his son because he loves you. His son sheds his blood because his love is because his love is shed in the form of Jesus blood. He gives you everything. He gives you Jesus. He gives you the kingdom. He gives you wisdom. He gives you faith. He gives you favor. He gives you kindness. He gives you open doors. He gives you healing. He gives you breakthroughs. He gives you deliverance. He gives and gives and gives and never stops giving. Woo! Who wouldn't want to follow a God like that, that we get to call our heavenly father? Woo! The goodness of God provides us with everything. Generosity, it is the greatest evidence of God's good, perfect character. He's not generous to you because you deserved it. He's not generous to you because you've paid for it. He's generous to you because he's paid for it. And he's generous to you because he loves you that much. And he's generous to you because he can't ungenerous his heart. He can't. Won't change his mind about you. He is the Lord, he said, and he will not change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. I think that's one of the biggest fears people deal with in their relationship with God, that somehow God's going to change his mind towards me. Somehow he's going to. He's going to stop doing me good. Somehow he's going to run out of patience with me. Somehow he's going to. Be upset with me. Somehow I'm going to bring him to the point where he doesn't want to give me another chance. You know, you can't get God to stop giving you another chance. You can't change God's character. You can decide whether you're going to believe it or not, but you can't change his character. You can't stop him from being generous. You can't stop him from being good. You can't stop him from outlasting everything in your life. You can't stop him from doing good in your life. You cannot stop him. You cannot be so bad that God could ever stop being so good because he's so good because he's good. He's not so good because you stopped being bad. He's so good because he's so good. The goodness of God provides us with everything. And number 10, you know, I think I'm going to have to pick up on number 10 another day where we can talk a little bit more about this, but I'll just give you number 10 so that now you have the 10 miracles of God's goodness and we'll talk about it more in depth 
when we have more time. But number 10, the goodness of God. Well, I'll go through nine first, okay? Ready? Let me go through them real quick again. So you have it. Goodness of God explains everything. The goodness of God surrounds everything. The goodness of God frees you from everything. The goodness of God satisfies everything. The goodness of God changes everything. The goodness of God shapes everything. The goodness of God uses everything. The goodness of God outlasts everything. The goodness of God provides us with everything. And number 10, the goodness of God restores everything. The goodness of God restores everything. He says, I will restore to you the years that the enemy has stolen. I will restore to you your mind. I will restore to you your healing. I will restore to you your health. I will restore to you the fortunes that you've lost. I'll restore to you all that has been broken. I will restore to you all that has been stolen. I will restore to you all that has been missed, all that has been lost, all that is missing. There's a missing sheep and God finds it. There's a missing coin and God finds it. There's a missing son and God finds him. Whatever's missing in your life, he's going to restore it. He is the God of restoration and the goodness of God restores everything. I want you to believe this with every fiber in your being. Like I believe this with every fiber in my being, with everything in me, I know that I know that God will right every wrong that's been done to me. I know that I know that I don't have to avenge myself because Romans 12, 19 says, beloved, you're so loved. You don't have to avenge yourself, but give room for God to do it. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, most people have read that verse like I will avenge and I will repay the people for doing that bad in your life. God's not saying I'm going to repay the people for doing bad in your life. He's saying I will repay you for what people have done, what people have done to you that caused you to lose time, money, opportunities, health. God will repay you. Something has been taken from you. God will repay. Somebody wronged you. God will repay. Somebody hurt you. God will repay. He's not going to repay them for hurting you. He's going to rep repay you what they hurt, whatever they whatever they whatever they did to you, even whatever the devil did to you, whatever your parents did to you. God's going to repay you. He's going to make it up to you. You see, we've got to realize what God is saying when he says these things. Do not avenge yourselves. Give room for God. It even says give room for God's wrath. And where did God take out his wrath? He took out his wrath on Jesus so that he could make up to you all the years that you lost, all the opportunities you lost, all the favor you lost, all the time you lost, all the money you lost, all the family you lost, all the loved ones you lost. God's going to restore it all. How about we how about we end on that note and we pray? Let's pray right now. I know, first of all, before we pray for God to avenge us and restore everything, because the goodness of God restores everything, he will right every wrong. But before we pray that, maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I want you to pray right now to receive him. Just pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, just pray that. So you want to be sure you go, you're going to heaven when you die, right? Because people die. We all die and we don't know when. But we can know where 
when it happens. We can know where we're going simply by putting our faith in Jesus. Jesus came to take our punishment. We deserved that cross. We deserved that grave. We deserved the wrath and the judgment of God. But he took it out on Jesus on the cross so that he could pay for it. So it would be paid for not by you or me, but paid for by him himself so that he could give you everything he desires to give you, beginning with salvation and a relationship with him most of all. Just pray this, Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my savior. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe I am now a child of God. If you prayed that prayer, you are now a child of God. We didn't make Jesus Lord. The father made Jesus Lord. We simply say, amen. Jesus is Lord. We simply say Jesus is who God said he is. He's the son of God. He's risen from the dead. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you let me know? And I want you to get a copy of my book absolutely free. The power of a new life. It's the next steps is a Bible study journey. The next steps of this amazing relationship that you now have with God as your heavenly father. And I want us to pray together as well. So you download this anywhere in the world, absolutely free. And let's declare this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness that explains everything. Thank you for your goodness that restores everything. Thank you for the miracles of God's goodness. Say that. Thank you, Father, for the miracles of your goodness. I expect your goodness to come upon me, overtake me, surround me, follow me, bless me, restore me in Jesus name. Amen. Now expect goodness to show up in ways you've never seen it before. And it's going to start happening like you've never, ever experienced it above and beyond all that you can ask or think. Can't wait to see you at Think Like a Champion and also at our next Sunday service. We'll see you then. God bless.